When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, November 6, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And from the Finnish countryside, I'm Patrick Beja. And from the L.A. County countryside, I'm the producer, Roger Day. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. If you need a, a break from hearing obnoxious Americans talking about voting, we have a Frenchman on the show today. <laughs> so can I be an obnoxious Frenchman talking oh, about voting? Like, there's no need to be redundant. Ah! Oh, I got that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, We have a lot of good tech news today, so let's start with a few tech things you should know. Xiaomi is selling a pair of wireless earbuds called Ear Dots for 199 won, or about 28 US dollars. They come in charging. They come with a charging case and support Bluetooth 5.0. You can also reserve the buds for purchase in China starting today. That's a cheap pair of earbuds. I'm guessing they would be more expensive here, though. Pre- uh, pre-orders for Google's Pixel Slate are now open. The 12.3-inch tablet starts at $599 for 4 gigabytes of RAM and 32 gigabytes of storage and maxes out with 256 gigabytes of storage and 16 gigabytes of RAM at $1,599. US Mm. Also, I think the new Surface Go went on sale, the mid-range one, too. Uh, Speaking of Microsoft, Microsoft internally announced the departure by year-end of corporate vice president of Cortana, Javier Soltero. Sources telling ZDNet that. And back in 2014, Microsoft acquired Soltero's startup, Ocompli. Soltero was head of strategy on Outlook Mobile before he became head of Cortana just earlier this year, in March 2018. All I right. like to complain. That was a that was a kind yeah. of uh, email app. Okay. You know, at, at, at the point that I was using it, maybe he'll get back to making something like that now that, yeah. he's, now that he's free. Let's talk a little bit more about Apple, Patrick. Vishesh Rashingani put up a post on Seeking Alpha 
titled Apple is Transitioning from Product Company to Service Giant. He cites the fact that services accounted for 16% of revenue last quarter and is growing and the decision by Apple to stop reporting unit sales and average selling prices for iPhones, Macs, and other products. If it were a standalone company, Apple's services would be almost as large as Facebook by revenue. He writes that Cook is moving Apple from an ultimate product company to an efficient services provider. Hmm. I I definitely have been pushing this idea that Apple is emphasizing services more and more. Uh, I don't know that he put it this way in his post. He has to make up a lot of numbers because Apple doesn't provide them. And you can take a lot of issues with how he makes his estimates and, and pull this apart if you want to. But I think the general gist of what he's saying is absolutely true that Apple is definitely realizing that their products are are commoditizable that new areas of growth are likely to be service oriented and that fits in with Tim Cook's specialty uh which he points out as well so i i i think this is a you know numbers numbers estimating is always kind of a dark art anyway but but semantically or or, or non quantifiable qualitatively that's the word i'm looking for i think this is a good analysis yeah, it's I mean, I, I guess you could count hardware within the spirit of services as well, um, to an extent. But it seems a little bit I mean, services are important on Apple's side because people want their hardware. I guess they could flip it at some point, but I, I'm not sure I could see it happening with certainty uh, at this point. That being said, uh, the size of the services uh, part of Apple's business is certainly impressive. And I didn't realize it was that big uh, because we never really consider it as a, a huge thing for them. Yeah, it's a lot smaller than its, pro- <laughs> than its product business. I think the new television service, which we are expecting to hear about next year, will tell this tale. If it is the kind of thing where you have to buy a product to get it, or if it's the kind of thing where they'll charge you uh, if you're not an Apple product user, but you'll either get it as a discount or get it free if you are. I think that kind of tells where they are on the spectrum. And I would I would expect them uh, to really push the service as a reason to get the product. And that tells me services is their growth opportunity. Mm. FCC Chairman Ajit Pai is calling for the adoption of an authentication system to curb caller ID spoofing and says carriers need to implement the technology no later than 2019. Pai sent personal letters to the CEOs of various providers asking them to adopt the shaken slash stir framework. That is really what it's called, which would validate calls before they hit recipients. Earlier this year, the FCC fined a Miami resident responsible for over 96 million robocalls for $120 million, the biggest fine the FCC has ever imposed. Hmm. So how much of this do you think is being motivated by Ajit Pai himself being annoyed with robocalls? Well, I mean, I'm with him. <laughs> I yeah, Pai and I don't sure agree I on everything, but oh, when it comes to robocalls, I think motivated. we're we're in accordance. Yeah, uh, this this is this is definitely something that's no one's going to 
to be against except people who want to make robocalls, right? Uh, right. So it's a, it's a good way for a commissioner to, to win back some public sympathy. Uh, but I also think he, he honestly is, is pushing this because he, he wants it to stop. Uh, he, he's, he's got a little bravado behind it, and that's fine. Sometimes you probably need that in order to get the telecoms to get in line. You could possibly argue, too, that having just given the telecoms pretty much the everything they want regarding net neutrality, uh, he might be calling in some chips here to say, now you got to help me with this. I mean, you I know, don't know about the two of you. And, and Patrick, I'm sure it's different because you're outside of the U.S. But I would say I get maybe six phone calls a day from robo, robo numbers that um, that are spoofing my, you know, hometown's uh, area code. And, you know, I'm hip to the game now, but it's, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty disruptive. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you do? What do you do at well, this point? In, in uh, Europe, I, I never get robocalls in Finland. I never get robocalls in France. And I think maybe there is a technical system that, allows it to be controlled. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was just legislated out of existence. We do get, you know, customer support calls that you don't really want uh, sometimes, but robocalls, I think, are pretty much non-existent. So I, I there are ways of dealing with this, certainly. Maybe the technical system that uh, the FCC wants to be implemented is that, uh but definitely here, we, we don't have them. So it is possible. Researchers at Radboud University have developed a way to decrypt data on popular solid-state drives without having the password. They're not breaking the encryption, though. The method works on several models of Crucial and Samsung SSDs. The researchers, in most of the cases, physically connected to the debugging interface. So obviously, you have to have physical access for a certain amount of time to be able to do this. This isn't something you're going to do real quickly in the coffee shop while someone goes to the bathroom. But they were able to modify password verification when they had that access so that any password would be accepted. They basically got in through the firmware and said, just accept anything. uh, And then that allowed decryption to happen. In a few models, uh, the recovered encryption keys uh, were got by using a where leveling exploit. Uh, they, They told the drive to put the key in a different place and then before data was overwritten on where the old key was, they were able to go in and sneak sneak in there and grab it. Of note is that Microsoft's BitLocker drive encryption by default lets hardware handle encryption. So if you thought you had been encrypting these drives with BitLocker, you would be vulnerable to this because BitLocker wasn't providing the encryption. Crucial has rolled out updates for all its drives. Samsung has rolled out updates for all but its Evo drives. If you have an Evo Samsung drives, they recommend using software encryption, not relying on the hardware encryption. The researchers say you should use software encryption anyway, and they recommend the open source platform VeraCrypt to protect drives. I wonder how much of these exploits we hear about all the time um, the intelligence services already know about. You know, they show up here and there through security researchers, and some of them are quite powerful. Often they require access, physical access to the device. But I, I, this is just a personal thing, but I really wonder if the, they have a giant list, you know, at the CIA or NSA mm-hmm. or whatever. And once it's discovered, you know, they put a little check mark of a certain kind when uh, they're like, okay, maybe this one is not going to work anymore. Or yeah. it's, 
Yeah. I mean, I, I look at this and, and I immediately want to point out to people, this is researchers discovering the vulnerability, not a vulnerability in the wild. I think in our heads, we kind of mix them up between the two and think things are worse than they are. This is the good. This is good news. This is not hackers exploiting it. This is hackers stopping it. This is folks figuring it out before it's in the wild. So I, I always like to emphasize that. But yeah, uh, Patrick brings up a good point. If you work for a clandestine agency, find us on Signal and let us know whether you knew about this exploit already. <laughs> <laughs> Russian Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev signed a decree requiring all users of messaging apps to be identifiable. When the rule takes effect in six months, the operator of a messaging service will need to verify registration data through a user's mobile operator. The mobile operator then has 20 minutes to respond and record data. Now, also, uh, I, I meant to write this in here for you, Patrick, and I apologize. Uh, Tencent is increasing its uh, checks on gaming age verification by using a police database. And I know you've been following that story. Yeah, the the two are somewhat different. Uh, in the case of Tencent, it's in China, and they are doing this supposedly to curb gaming addiction and uh, and and make sure that younger people are identified as such and have to comply with the limits that the government has set in place regarding gaming time and uh, spending ability. Uh, so, and gaming time can be quite stringent, uh, something like half an hour or an hour, depending on your um, age. It's it's a little bit different, but in both cases, I guess it's uh, governments trying to make sure they control what people do with their apps. Maybe in the case of Russia, it's really about surveillance more than anything else. It might be that in China, there it's a backdoor into surveillance as well. And it is becoming common in many countries. I mean, China particularly you hear about, uh, but there are other countries that are starting to put real name policies into place or at least pushing for real name policies. Turkey is one of those. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a trend that I think in, in the past I've always dismissed as, well, that's the kind of thing China does. But Russia now doing it more often, trending that way as well. Other countries starting to trend. It's starting to be the kind of thing that looks like what people warn about when they say the internet might split in two or even more than two based on the policies of various governments uh, walling themselves off and changing how it works. I mean, at this stage, it's not quite there yet. It's not splitting it into, well, unless you consider the Great Firewall as a, a split into, which is a valid way of putting it. But these uh, uh, requirements are more about controlling use rather than creating a different shard of the internet yeah uh but still yeah it's 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 specific implementations that are required locally when you think of the internet as something that is uh, uh the same for everyone AMD announced that processors in its 7 nanometer Zen 2 architecture will launch in 2019. AMD promises twice the performance over the previous Zen design. The company's cores are expected to arrive in all of AMD's family of chips, including Ryzen, Threadripper, and Epic. The Epic 7 nanometer chip is codenamed Rome, now sampling Amazon Web Services, and also announced it's offering Epic CPUs in Elastic Compute Cloud at a 10% pricing advantage. AMD said that 7 nanometer plus Zen 3 should arrive in 2020. 
If you're keeping score, AMD also announced the Radeon Instinct MI60 CPU for data centers with up to 7.4 teraflops of 64-bit floating point peak performance built on a 7 nanometer process and debuting later this year is also in the works. It's the first PCIe 4.0 GPU on the market. Yeah, so it's, it might be easy to overinterpret this as AMD announces 7 nanometer CPUs and GPUs, while Intel is delaying 10 nanometer till next year. Uh, it's not quite as bad as it sounds for Intel, but the performance of these Zen 2 cores looks competitive with Intel, uh, the, there's you know uh, 256 bit native now. You don't have to to multiply 128 by two. Uh, these are now neck and neck with Intel. While AMD also gets to crow about the fact that they're on the seven nanometer platform, while Intel's still delaying the 10 nanometer platform, which makes it look good in the press. So in in reality, uh, and in the imaginary world of PR, uh, AMD pulling even with Intel uh, and and starting to look like in slow motion they might be ready to pass them if Intel doesn't do something. I mean, they, they've been announced for 2019, uh, the 7 nanometers, so we're not quite there yet. By the time that they arrive, Intel might have 10 nanometer ready. But still, um, especially in the world of servers, I think power consumption is really important. And when you go thinner, you require less energy. So this is really, I mean... AMD seems quite confident that they can do seven nanometer at that point. Um, and AMD them, has, so they're, they're actually doing it. Yeah. Right, right. They have seven nanometer uh, technology ready. If Intel gets delayed a bit more on 10 nanometer, um, I think even if it's not quite as uh, performance oriented uh, 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 consumption, I don't know exactly what the TDP is on those, but I'm guessing uh, uh, consumption wise, it might be power consumption wise, it might start to become interesting, even if they're not as if, uh, uh, powerful. Yeah, I mean, Intel uh, announcing its Cascade Lake processors yesterday were 14 nanometer, just, just you know, as point yeah. of comparison, announcement to announcement. Hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. Study uh, that is being reported on in the BBC from uh, Oxford University researchers. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. 
With Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ties the effect of screen time on children to sleep patterns. Now, most of the studies you've heard in the past say, yep, you have a lot of screen time, it reduces children's sleep. This one, uh, published in the journal Pediatrics, surveyed 50,000 people from across every state in the United States, which assumingly means Hawaii and Alaska, showed little effect on sleep time in children from six months up to 17 years old. Uh, It was self-reported, but they took into account the time spent with phones, tablets, computers, and TVs, uh, as reported by the children or their parents, and found that teens who spent no screen time got on average eight hours and 51 minutes of sleep a night. Teens who spent eight hours with the screens during the day got eight hours and 21 minutes of sleep per night. So much sleep. 30 minutes less. <laughs> In <both> cases. Wow. <laughs> right? Both of great. them, I'm like, that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> overall, they found that an hour of screen time correlated to a loss of about three to eight minutes. So you could say, oh, they did show a correlation of loss of sleep, but it's not nearly as significant as previous studies. Professor Andrew Probilski, uh, one of the authors of the study, told the BBC, focusing on bedtime routines and regular patterns of sleep, such as consistent wake-up times, are much more effective strategies for helping young people sleep than thinking screens themselves play a significant role. He believes the previous studies showing an effect had too small of a sample, and he believes a lot more study is needed before you draw any conclusions. He says, look, we know this was self-reported. We want to do more studies directly on how this affects sleep, and they're going to do those studies. Uh, But he says, in the meantime, we know that these other things have impact on sleep. Focus on them. Don't think reducing screen time is going to be the panacea that helps your teenager sleep better. Uh, so I guess, first of all, uh, I'm sure one of the flaws of this study is finding teens who spent no screen time, because I'm certain those <laughs> do not exist. Uh, Apparently they do, the, according to this study. I suppose so. Uh, but yeah, it's this is giving me hope because I know I have a, a young child. He's only nine months old. So, of course, he's not uh, using screens uh, at all yet. Um, I think the recommended uh, uh, usage is not before two. And even then it's very specific types of screen. And uh, at three, maybe you can start having actual screens. But for me, I would love to have something to give my child uh, (laughs) that would occupy him. So I I want that study to be right. The, The thing that struck me, though, is that idea that patterns and uh, um, setting your children into a routine is so much more important because this is what I found with my very, very young uh, baby. And his entire life improves when he knows what to expect. So I could imagine 
that there could be some, this is just wild speculation, but that there could be some kind of correlation um, uh, uh, between having a lot of screen time and maybe being a little bit more lax with the routine. Mm. Maybe that had something to do with it before. I also think the time of screen time plays a big part in this. I'm not a teenager, but as an adult, I know that if I go to bed at 9 p.m., with my phone, you know, I'm kind of tired anyway, you know, maybe I, you know, have some things to catch up on. I don't really feel that that whole sort of, oh, you're, you know, the, the iPhone uh, glare is going to, you know, screw with your circadian rhythms all that much. However, if I do the same thing at 11 p.m. or later, it actually does. So I think part of that is when are you uh, absorbing this information and is it actually screwing you up, you know, time-wise? And these authors of this study are going to publish a study on that exact thing. They, they've been looking at how close to bedtime do, they, do, do the children stop using the screens and does that have an effect? So I'll be interested to see what they find. I, from my experience, my kids, well, my daughter, my oldest daughter uses it constantly more so than she should. Um, <laughs> despite, despite me trying to take it away from her. Um, she literally at this point, it's, she's three years, three years, 10 months. She's at this stage, just last night, she just fell asleep watching, watching like a little, uh, um, children's thing on, on YouTube. Like she just like fell asleep next to it. still running. She's like, <sighs> Um, <laughs> Which is, I mean, I do that. She'll conk out around 10, 11, more, more like 11 or mid- midnight, uh, which is something we've been trying to change forever which to, to get her to bed early. But she gets the, the recommended amount of sleep. The problem is I need to get her ready for school in the morning and, you know, it, it, it overlaps. So um, what I find is specifically routine um, and in terms of sleep, she gets, she gets like the eight hours. She sleeps at school during nap time and she naps when she gets home. Uh, but it's trying to get it. So it's on everyone else's kind of rhythm, right? Cause she'll be bouncing around at midnight. It's like, no, it's just time to go well, to bed. But it, it sounds like what you're saying is she uses the screen a lot and she has problems sleeping, but you're not convinced that really it's the screen that's causing it. It's just the routine. Yeah. It's, it's the routine. And one of her routines is to just kind of suction her face uh, to it. And I've I've <laughs> even gotten to the point where, like, fine, you can you can watch something, but I'll put it on the TV. Like, I'm trying to just change it slowly, uh, you know. And she's also big into books, so she'll be constantly having her nose in books. But I, I, I run into the same issue. It's it's not the book, but it's just the activity that messes with the routine that causes her to not have a regular. Or I, I, de- I should say an ideal sleep schedule. That's why I think this, the, I can't remember, was it Sarah or, that you said that the idea that maybe, or maybe it was Patrick, just having a more structured day means you have less screen time, which means you sleep better. Exactly. Yeah. I, th- I think it really means, like when she's at school, no, there's no screens at all. It's just either in the sandbox playing with other kids or the playground or painting. And so it's structured for the for the students, but she's she's she she has a normal sleep nap cycle at that point uh, at that point throughout the day. So here's the solution: if they don't have screens at school, just get them to spend the night in the school, and they won't have screen time. <laughs> That's perfect. I mean, I remember 
back in the day when I was a kid, when I was a little kid, I had television in my house, but we had neighbors and, you know, kids that were my age that weren't allowed to watch television. There were no TVs in the house, sort of like no internet in the bedroom, that kind of thing. And the kids, you know, once they saw a TV would be like, oh my gosh, you know, slack jawed, like this is the most exciting thing ever, which is sort of counterproductive because the whole idea was that they don't depend on television or, you know, that whole thing. And I, I wonder if um, over, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, taking away time on the internet, which, you know, like Roger, what whatever Ellie's doing on the internet is actually a good thing or a bad thing she's, for, she's for kids at that, at that yeah. young of an age. It's, I can, I can see it in the way of it being isolating. For example, if you have a big family, you have a lot of kids, it might isolate the child away from social interaction with the other kids because, hey, I got this thing that's all flashy, colorful, makes noise, I'm going to pay attention to that. But what I find is that if I interact with my daughter, for example, she loves bouncing on my head like a WWE wrestler. So if I allow her to do that, she doesn't need the the tablet. She likes, she's happy with that. That's actually (laughs) the most pure fun. For her. (laughs) Hurting my dad. (laughs) I, I, I mean, honestly, I, I think it's important to note that this study isn't the last word on this. It's only one study about sleep. It is a study that is uh, used a, a, a very large number of subjects, which makes it more reliable. But you need a lot of different studies of a lot of different aspects before you come to a conclusion. And so maybe what parents should do is is what Roger is talking about, which is just go case by case with your child. Keep things in moderation. Don't let them use screen time too much. Uh, and and see what affects them and what doesn't. You're 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 not going to be able to rely on a study to tell you how to take care of your individual child because every child's different. Yes, Tom. But if I believe this study, then I can have a little bit of peace and quiet. So I think it's right. (laughs) (laughs) I can't argue with you there. It's Mm -hmm. it's ironclad logic. (laughs) Well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. Whether you have little children, older children, or no children, we welcome you. Please vote on stories and submit your own dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com. Facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Tech News Show. We now pull out the large canvas bag of emails. Reach in and pull one out. Okay, this one comes from Brian. Brian says, The backlash to Diablo Immortal was perhaps a little more about how and when they announced it than what was announced, actually. Blizzard is working on a proper sequel to Diablo 3 for PCs and for consoles. There's no current effort to transition Diablo to a mobile-only series, but making the announcement at BlizzCon gave the impression that this is a new direction for the series. That's every indication that Immortal is largely intended to be a foothold in the Chinese mobile gaming market that's partnering with a Chinese company like NetEase, required for foreign companies to release games in China. So the initial reaction to Diablo Immortal at BlizzCon was from an audience being told to be excited about a game that isn't even necessarily for them in the first place. Yes. Patrick, what, what, yeah, what, what, yes. what are your, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is all absolutely true. They did, uh, tell people not to get excited. They pretty much spelled out, we are not announcing the sequel to Diablo 3, uh, but people didn't really hear it. Um, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, Brian. I think the issue that a lot of people had was with the uh, type, the nature of the reaction that some of the fans 
uh, had, which was a little bit uh, violent. But if you want to hear more about all of this and many other things, you could go listen to MVGB, the monthly video game briefing, which we just recorded today with Scott Johnson. Um, this is a show which uh, came from DTNS Labs Games, if you remember that one. And um, you get a, a few bits of news from the gaming industry without the avalanche of nerdiness that comes with the usual uh, gaming podcasts. So if you follow this uh, industry, if you're interested from a little bit afar, but you still want to stay informed, MVGB will teach you all you need to know. Go to dailytechnewsshow.com slash MVGB feed, monthly video game briefing feed, MVGB feed, or just search for it in your podcast app. You'll find it there. Also, special thanks to uh, all you data scientists in the audience, and there are many of you that wrote in explaining the virtues of Jupiter, uh, including Connor, Bruce, Bob, Worldboy, Pratik, and Daniel. Uh, we read one of your emails on Friday's show, uh, but we didn't want you to think we had, had not read all of them ourselves, uh, and it was it was really overwhelming to me how many people who use Jupiter wrote in to talk about it. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, it, it was helpful in helping us just understand it a little more ourselves. You guys are the best. You really are. And thanks to Patrick Beja. Besides MB, MBGB, <laughs> I'm going to get that right one of these days. Tell us what's going on with FrenchSpin.com. Uh, well, you know, if you are a really uh, uh, enthusiast gamer and you want to know more about uh, gaming as a whole with a little bit more depth, you could go check out Pixels, for example, uh, which is my gaming show. And if you like world news from different points of view, then check out the Phileas Club. Both are available at Frenchspin.com, as you said. Folks, uh, it is our goal every month to get one more patron than last month. And last month, we failed to meet that goal. So don't let it happen again. If you're in the audience and you can afford a dollar a month and you think the show is worth at least a dollar, if not more, head on over to patreon.com slash DTNS and join. Become a member and you get... Uh, a, a weekly audio column from me about how I pick my stories. You'll have a column, uh, written column this week from Roger Chang. Uh, you'll get all kinds of cool stuff, including business cards to show you're a producer of the show at certain levels. Go take a look at all the cool things you get. And brand new thing is you have patron flair available on the DTNS subreddit now. It's all available at patreon.com slash DTNS. We also love your feedback. It helps us make a great show every day. Thanks in advance. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2130 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with the aforementioned Scott Johnson. Talk to you then. Bye. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. 
And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.